0: I'm predicting we're going to hear the word socialism a lot over the next few years. Uh, The right is using it like a scare tactic, and the left is using it like some sort of marketing technique. And to be honest, this is a confession time, I really wasn't sure when it came to the technical differences between socialism and communism um, until I researched this episode Um, But I cleared out all the cobwebs in my brain, and I remembered what I learned back in high school. I, I say this because I think the two get confused in the mainstream media, and this confusion is sometimes done by design. And I want to clear up the misunderstandings and look at not only socialism, but also capitalism with all of its shortcomings, something i never hear politicians talk about no matter what side of the aisle they're on is automation and how capitalism as we know it is about to drastically change welcome to the coffee buzz i'm brad and thank you for listening Since my last episode, uh, the Mueller report was released to Attorney General Barr, and I didn't expect it to go the way that it did. Um, I mean, to be fair, the public, even Congress, hasn't seen the report. Right now we're getting the Barr Cliff Notes version, (laughs) but it seems like this, this whole process just sort of failed. And I don't mean that in a way to say that there should have been an indictment, but the whole point of having a special counsel was to insulate the investigation from politics. Uh, what we know now, and that's very, very little, is uh, that Mueller found no evidence of collusion and not enough evidence to indict. Um, so. Okay, that part makes sense. I'm just going to accept it. <laughs> and I, I say that from an objective point of view and just taking the information at a, a superficial level. He's, he certainly appeared guilty of collusion, but looking guilty is not the same as being guilty. Uh, however, on the part of the report that addresses obstruction of justice, um, Mueller basically just punts it back to the attorney general. And the whole point of the special counsel was to take politics out of the process. And he just takes a pass on the obstruction portion of the investigation. And uh, he just gives it back to, to Barr, who puts politics back in the process. Um, that's why I think it failed as an investigation. And, I mean, that may be premature uh, since no one knows, besides, I think, maybe the White House, what's really in the report. I mean, it's over 300 pages and we have 100 words of it. (laughs) But, I mean, wow. If Barr's report on the report is accurate, uh, it seems like we've just been very distracted over nothing for the last few years. And I mean, unless this, you know, William Barr character, unless he's just a complete idiot or a liar, then the Mueller report is just devastating uh, when it comes to the Democrats' conspiracy theory on Donald Trump and Russia. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if we get a leaked, unredacted report. That's what I'm hoping for. So, Anonymous, if you're listening... And I hope you are. Get the report and release it. What's funny is most of my friends are conservatives. And somehow we still get along. Uh, My friend Scott asked me recently what my take on Socialist Democrats, as they're called, what my take is. And I'm thankful that even though we have these differences on politics or ideas that he's still open-minded enough to hear what I have to say and it goes both ways and i think americans need to just get better at listening to opposing views i know that's easy for me to say with a microphone and no one else in the room but you know in the last few years it it feels like everyone is just in their own information bubble and anyone that isn't in my tribe is automatically wrong and Hopefully, we can just get past that and and just actually listen to each other again. One politician that is very polarizing is Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, or AOC, as I shall call her for the rest of the show. Um, people have labeled her a socialist democrat, and socialist remains one of those dirty and often misunderstood words in the realm of politics. Um, The Cold War is largely to blame for that. Um, But in the present day, a democratic socialist uh, is often treated like interchangeable terms with socialist, uh, which can be confusing given like democratic socialists don't necessarily think that, you know, the uh, government should immediately take over all aspects of the economy. So I I had to sit down and ask myself, put it in the old magical machine here, what is socialism? And what came back is a population that owns the means of production and distributes that end result uh, proportionally. In reality, this is regulated to the state. So while the distribution relies on the social welfare that satisfies everyone's basic needs, you know, housing, um, health care, education. Um, it's an attempt to just level the playing field for all the members in the society. And, you know, just thereby, you remove the class distinctions on ownership. So, for example, in a capitalistic society, uh, college education is expensive. And f- for those who can afford it, They're generally given better opportunities. And those who can't are forced to compete at a disadvantage. And this leads to class inequality that's not based on talent, but based on generational wealth. It's important to note that there are no 100% socialist countries. It's typically a mix. A socialism that runs sort of on top of capitalism it's uh it would be an overlay as I say at work. <laughs> um, I think socialism gets misassociated with communism very regularly. Uh, the differences between are big, but they are sort of related. The easiest way that I found to think of it is um, all communists are socialist, but not all socialists are communist. Uh, communism places the means of production to the government, not the people. Critics of socialism typically point to Venezuela um, as a cautionary tale. It, it was one of the richest countries in Central America and now their economy is in shambles. They have the highest inflation rate in the world and it makes you know basic things like food and medicine just inaccessible. Um, It's a nightmare right now. Um, I could do a whole episode just about that country. But their economic disaster has more to do with corruption than a failure of socialism. Um, Using Venezuela as proof that socialism doesn't work is like saying energy companies are all evil because of Enron. Uh, You have countries like Finland and Sweden where... Socialism works just fine. Socialist Democrats do generally believe that government should help provide for most people's basic needs. This doesn't mean that they want to end capitalism, you know, with state-run commerce. AOC's platform calls for Medicare for all, uh, tuition-free college, and treats housing as a right. It calls for an end to the war on drugs, uh, the, de-militar- the demilitarization of police departments, and the abolishment of for-profit prisons. AOC was recently here in Austin and really freaked some people out. <laughs> the news outlets latched on to her saying, capitalism is not redeemable. Uh, I listened to her interview the whole thing and I think it was taken out of context. Um, Here's a clip from the event, a little bit longer than you might hear on mainstream media news, but I think it's worth playing uh, at its length.
1: I don't think that our government is irredeemable. Um, If I did, I wouldn't have run for office. But but capitalism in particular, right? Because it could be different. So I think the tough part about this about like is capitalism redeemable, et cetera, is that uh, it's hard to have these conversations I think as a society because we all have different ideas of what, just in the public imagination, there's, there are different ideas of what does capitalism mean, what does socialism mean, et cetera. But for me, when I think about what those definitions are capitalism isn't to me is it's an ideology of capital it puts capital the most important thing is the concentration of capital and it means that we seek and prioritize profit and the accumulation of money above all else and we seek it at any human and environmental cost that is what that means. And to me, that ideology is not sustainable and cannot be redeemed. But when we talk about ideas, for example, like democratic socialism, it means putting democracy and society first instead of capital first. It doesn't mean that you put other things last. It doesn't mean that that the actual concept of capital as a society is should be abolished or or anything like that but it's it's a question of our priorities and i right now i think what we are reckoning with are the consequences of putting profit above everything else in society because what we what it means is people getting paid less than what it takes to live what it means is people that need insulin die because they can't afford it even though us as a society can afford it and because, and also because insulin was originally made free because the idea of, of having to pay to live seemed crazy, even to the people who discovered it. And so, for me, it's a question of priorities. And right now, I don't think our priorities are sustainable. Um, but there's also, again, in the public imagination, a lot of fear-mongering about what democratic socialism means. That it's like, you're, you know, that government's going to, like, take over the private sector. And, in fact... In my opinion, uh, those, those two things need to, need to be separate. And what we're actually experiencing right now is the opposite. What we are experiencing is, you know, just as there's all of this fear-mongering that government is going to take over every corporation and government is going to take over every business or every form of production, um, we should be scared right now because corporations have taken over our government. And...
0: I think she makes a really good point about the fear of corporations taking over our government. The corporate lobbyists and special interest groups in Washington, they drive policy. And for a large part, they determine who gets elected. But for some reason, because it's all done in the name of business, uh, people look the other way. When I was in school, I was taught that capitalism was... Great because it sustained the middle class. It was taught as a virtue. However, the middle class is rapidly shrinking. And it raises the question, uh, You know, can we do better than this? Because if you think about it, every time there's a crisis, the taxpayer is called to bail out the banks and the major financial institutions. Um, if you had a real capitalist economy in place... That would never happen. Um, Capitalists who make risky investments and failed would be wiped out. Um, But the rich and powerful don't really want a capitalistic system. The IMF did an interesting study a few years ago on the profits of big U.S. banks. And it attributed most of them to the many advantages that come from the implied government insurance policy. Now, that doesn't just mean the bailouts, but access to get cheap credit and things like the incentive to undertake risky transactions, and that made them highly profitable in the short term. And if anything goes wrong, there's always the taxpayer. Bloomberg Businessweek estimated the taxpayer subsidy at over $80 billion per year. So anytime I hear a politician or pundit going on about, how the government just interferes with the free market and less government is better, I, I have to do a bit of an eye roll because capitalism is a bit of a myth. Uh, we have state-sponsored capitalism. Um, like, for instance, take your cell phone. Almost everything in there comes from the state sector. You know, the GPS was developed by the Navy. Uh, The electronics were developed in military labs. And the same is true for computers. They were initially developed in the 50s, and after 20 years of research and development, uh, they gave it to the private sector. The entire history of capitalism has been publicly subsidized. What it really boils down to is it's socialism for the rich and capitalism for the poor. And the politicians sell it as freedom and free markets and turn words like socialist and social programs into something for the lazy or unmotivated. It's an old trick because you accuse the opposition that which you are guilty. Our president is a master at this, by the way. Uh, One thing that I rarely hear politicians talk about is automation. Uh, worldwide 800 million jobs are going to be automated by 2030 and in the US it's gonna be 73 million jobs at risk and changes like this have happened before uh, you know throughout history Um, but now it's happening at a much faster rate um, than it was in the industrial revolutions prior to this robot to worker ratios are rising rapidly and factories around the world. As their numbers grow, that cost of implementation shrinks. And the problem is just bigger than manufacturing alone. Highly skilled professionals are at risk too. We're talking doctors, lawyers, underwriters. If your job can be explained, it's at risk for automation. Since capitalism is all about consumption... What happens when there's no jobs for the humans and they can't go out and buy all the plastic? A very socialistic concept that's being talked about is a universal basic income, and what that would be is a fixed amount given to all citizens regardless of income or work status. The idea would be that since robots are so much cheaper than humans in terms of labor, the additional profit could be leveraged through taxes on those companies. My point to all this automation talk is that this romantic idea of capitalism may be an antiquated economic model with the rise of AI and automation. And even if jobs aren't taken over by robots, it just seems like capitalism is unsustainable. Uh, I'm not trying to be unpatriotic. That's just my opinion. I think this has to do with the greed factor that goes into it. And I'm not saying that all successful businesses are run by greedy people. But the motive is always to get as much money as you can, even if you're making people pay ten times what they really should. Um, The corruption is encouraged By the competitive model of capitalism whether it's banking scams or cutting corners on product safety to increase profit margins this is all just pursuit of that profit model democratic socialists do not want to create an all-powerful government bureaucracy but they don't want a big corporate bureaucracy to control our society either. You can find videos and articles I reference in this article on my blog post, thecoffeebuzzpodcast.com. Thank you again for listening. I will talk to you next week. That's what all this is about. A lot has changed in the past 300 years. People are no longer obsessed with the accumulation of things. We have eliminated hunger, want... The need for possessions has grown out of our infancy. You got it all wrong. It has never been about possessions. It's about power. Power to do what? To control your life, your destiny. That kind of control is an illusion.